1 Samuel chapter 8. The title is, A Smart Way to Be Stupid. Now, I, that's tongue-in-cheek. I don't really mean there's any way to be stupid that's smart. If you're stupid, that's stupid. <laughs> that's not smart. However, a lot of people think they're being smart when they're trying to get away with something. And to try to get away with something from God is pretty stupid. Now here's Israel, and they're going to take a giant leap in the wrong direction as a nation. 1 Samuel 8, look at verse 19. 1 Samuel 8, verse 19. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. Now, he had, you can just let your eye move up the passage there, and you can see the warning he's been giving them about getting a king. Verse 11, he says, he'll take your sons. Verse 13, and your daughters. Verse 14, he's going to take your fields. Verse 15, he's going to put a tax on them. Verse 16, he's going to take their manservants and maidservants. He's going to take their manpower. Number seven, Verse 17, he's going to take their independence away from them. Verse 18, they're going to end up crying. And their response to that is, sounds good to me, we'll take a king. Oh. That's stupid. And that's where they were. They were determined. Let's back up to the very first verse of the chapter, First uh, Samuel 8, verse 1, and see how this all came to play. Verse 1. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Okay, so Samuel's about to die, or he's getting close to the end of his life. And he says, I've got to have some, some guys in here who can take up my mantle when I leave. You know, they can fill my position. So he says, my sons are there, and I'm going to appoint them as judges. Now, the people didn't like that. But God always gives a righteous representative to guide his people. He always has. He always puts someone in a position to help you. Now, it may not always be the same person. Many times it's not. But you'll get some help from somebody else. That's why we're called the body of Christ. Your body helps it, itself. You know, when one hand gets weak, the other one jumps in there. <laughs> Your body is able to function as a total unit. And so is the body of Christ. We help each other. And God will ordain you some help. And sometimes it's great help, and sometimes it's just little things. But it's there to help you. Um, there's a, the people who resist that aid that God gives are not really resisting the person. They're resisting God. And God judges a person's response to the help he's offered them. And so God is going to judge Israel in this passage. And what he's going to say is he's going to say, Israel's rejecting the judges you set up because what they're really saying is they've rejected me. Now, they're going to act like they're rejecting the judge, but it's not the judge they're upset about. They're upset that I'm telling them something. And sometimes when God talks to us, we don't like what he says. But that's just too bad. Get over it. <laughs> In John, John chapter 8, verse 42. John chapter 8, verse 42. 
This is when Jesus was on earth, and he was obviously the representative of God on this earth for man. And so he was preaching to men. And you know what these men said? Almost the same thing they said in 1 Samuel. They said, we don't want to hear you. we got other plans. Here it is, John 8, verse 42. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? Mm. Verse 47. He that is of God heareth God's word. Ye therefore hear them not, because you're not of God. Verse 49. Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye dishonor me. You know, we always line up with a crowd. You'll gravitate toward the people that your heart is like. So if you're wanting to follow God, you'll find other people that are following God. And that's who you'll want to be with. If you're wanting to follow the world, you'll find the crowd that is like the things you desire. And that's what Jesus confronted here, and that's what Israel was revealing about themselves in 1 Samuel. They were saying, we're not really into that, that God system anymore. The other nations have kings. Why don't we get one of those? In uh, Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 16, Deuteronomy 16, verse 18. This is a system God had put in place. Deuteronomy 16, 18. It says, Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout all the, thy tribes. And they shall judge the people with just judgment. Thou shalt not rest judgment, that is, twist it. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of righteous of the righteous. So here God had already set up a system. He said, My system is this I'm going to put judges, and there's going to be officers, so that everybody can get some guidance. But you know what Israel said? We're bucking against that system. We don't like it. How about we just have one person in, you know, in the top position and just ignore the rest of us down here? <laughs> we'll do whatever we want. And that's really what they're saying. The Bible says this in Judges chapter 8, verse 22. This is Gideon. Gideon had come out and been a great leader for Israel. And the people got all excited about it. Here's what man does. He does one of two things. He either completely rejects God's system, or he takes the system and ignores God. <laughs> Here, they're going to take the system God put in place and ignore God and exalt the system above God. No, God's always God. <laughs> Judges, chapter 8, verse 22. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us. 
both thou, thy son, thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. Of, of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Now, he's going to use judges, and he's going to use officers, and he's going to use many different things, but never exalt that to the position of the authority. The authority is God. And if the authority over you is doing something that's anti-God, they answer to my authority, which is God. So you ask God to correct your authority, and he will. Because God is the ultimate authority. Now, he places these minor authorities over us to help guide us, and that's fine. But we should never view that guide as though it's God, because it's not. Amen. And, uh, God's children never get to choose an accountability partner. They're assigned a ruler. What? Yeah. You know what? The, you, I find this all over. People wanting to get an accountability partner. Until that one tells them something they don't like. Then they go get them another accountability partner. Wait a minute. I thought you were going to be accountable. No, you're only accountable to yourself if you can pick and choose it. No, God assigns a ruler. Always has. Look at Second uh, Samuel 15. Second Samuel 15, verse 4. This is the yellow pages under uh, life coach or accountability partners. Second Samuel 15, verse 4. Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge. Well, maybe there's a good reason you're not judge. <laughs> maybe somebody was smart and not letting you get that position. So he sets out to start his own campaign. Right. And he says, uh, judge in the land that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. Yeah, sure you would. Verse 6. And on this matter did, Am, uh, did Absalom to all Israel, they came to the king for judgment, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. <laughs> Don't pick you a king based on what you like, except the one God gives you. A ruler, a judge, an officer will be assigned and accepted. Now, don't ever assume they're God, though. Don't let them take the place of God. God's always God. He just gives us little helps along the way. Um, look at Hebrews. Hebrews 13. If you get the notes, I've got a lot more verses in here, but I'm skipping through. <laughs> I'm seeing... We haven't even made it to point one yet. Uh, <laughs> Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. Now he's going to define what he meant by that. Who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Okay, so... Those that rule over you. Now, of course, the real rule is not the person. It's the Word of God. <laughs> That's what rules, not a person. But he's saying there, remember those people that are giving you the Word of God, that are feeding it to you, setting out the buffet. 
Remember those people. They're working to help you. Verse 17. Verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now that tells us something different. He says, now you should uh, obey the people that are having this rule over you because they're doing something. They're watching out for you. They have your best interest at heart. And it's not for their own benefit. It's because it's an assignment from God. God always assigns us somebody to watch out for. And somebody is watching out for us. Always. We're all connected that way. And he says, one day I'm going to call account. I'm going to say, hey, John, I assigned you this person to look out for. How did they do? And some, and he's going to say, hey, so-and-so, your job was to watch out for John. How did he do? How did he respond? And that's true. Now, that's he's put the word rule in there. I don't like that word any more than y'all do. But that's the word he used. He uses it again. Look at verse 24. Salute them that have the rule over you. And all the saints. So sometimes people will be ruling over you who are not a saint. And that's a fact. Here he's talking to some people who are in bondage to Rome. And he's saying... View the person that's over you as though God put them in place. And if you're saved, if you're a Christian, God's the one who's really in control. So he can control whoever he's set over you, and he can guide and he can help you through them, even though they might not be a saint. Uh, okay, so all of that is intro. We'll see how fast we can go now. <laughs> the first point. Okay, a smart way to be stupid. The first thing, if you were going to follow that path, is this. Identify something to blame. Play the blame game. Don't people love to do that? It's a diversion tactic. Look at it in our passage, 1 Samuel 8. 1 Samuel 8, look at verse 3. People are talking to Samuel. And they're not too happy with him. <clears throat> they find out there's going to be... Just, it's like when a teacher leaves the class or goes on vacation or calls in sick or something, they bring a substitute in. Well, every kid there has to, you know, try to push the boundary with the substitute. <laughs> That's what these people are doing. Uh-oh, Samuel's talking about leaving, and we got new substitutes coming in. Let's see if we can push the boundary. Verse 3, 1 Samuel 8, 3. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre. That's money and took bribes and perverted judgment. Now, these were the people that were going to be their judges. Mm, that's not good, is it? But, remember, you can't buck the system just because the system is broken. You ask God to fix the system while you obey to the best of your ability. Um. Now, we know that taking filthy lucre was not what they were supposed to be doing. But that was not the real problem. These people didn't really care. Um, the people were not interested in fixing the problem. 
Otherwise, they would have been coming to Samuel all along, saying, hey, your boys are doing something crooked, and straighten it out. So they weren't really worried about that, but it sure was handy when they wanted to use it, wasn't it? Yeah, we'll save that one. Okay, you know a lot of people do that. They try to one-up you. And that's why it, it's, uh, you don't hear it much anymore. But when I was growing up, you used to hear these testimonies of all the bad things these people did. And I hated to hear those testimonies because they spent too much time exalting the filth they were in rather than the Savior who cleaned them up. That's what's to be exalted. And here they've saved in their pocket a reason to complain. <laughs> they should have fixed that. When you've got a problem, that's the time to fix it. Not save it. Not store it up. And that's what these people have been doing. Um, th that's the first reason. I'm skipping all these verses. And you can pick them up in the notes. The second reason, <laughs> the second way to become stupid is this. Imagine a future claim. You know, that's what the people did in the gold rush in America. One person found some gold, and so everybody said, well, if they can do it, I can do better. <laughs> so they all rush out there, and a lot of them lost a shirt doing it because it was just imagination. A lot of them found a bunch of fool's gold. Turned out to be nothing. That's what the nation of Israel was doing here. They were imagining a king will solve all my problems. And it'll get me out from under having to obey all of these rulers. Look at it, 1 Samuel 8, verse 4. First Samuel 8, verse 4. They begin to reveal their reasoning ability. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old. That's what you want to hear. <laughs> Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Well, that's true. However, they didn't even recognize the way that he was walking. They should have said, in the ways of God. They should have said, in the ways that Moses set down for us to be walking, according to the commandments and the laws. But no, it was a man they were honoring. He was old, and he, he was the famous judge. That was good, they're honoring him, but they're not recognizing God in the whole thing. The way Samuel was walking it was at the direction of God. And the people weren't giving him giving God credit. Now let's see what they say. Thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king. Now you would think if they were reasonable, they would continue with the same logical pattern. Their complaint to begin with was, your sons aren't walking in your ways. Now give us a king that will walk in your ways. That's what you would naturally say. But they don't say that because their brain is fried. Watch it. <laughs> Make us a king to judge us like all the, all the nations. They just showed their hand. They want to be like all the nations. They want to be like everybody else. Guess what? Don't be like anybody else. 
Be like who God makes you. That'll be the one he'll use. He might be using somebody else, but he won't use you trying to fake like somebody else. <laughs> that won't work. He wants individuals. In Numbers, Numbers chapter 23... Numbers 23, verse 9. This is Balaam's prophecy. Numbers 23, verse 9. From the, uh, from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Talking about Israel. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. You know what? God created Israel to be different than all the other nations. He didn't want them to fit in and meld in with everybody else. If, they, if, if all the other nations were great and everything was fine with them, why would God need to do anything special with Israel? <laughs> no, he wants them to be different. He wants us to be different too. We're going to be just like he makes us if we'll follow him. Israel in 1 Samuel says, no, we don't want that. We want to be just like everybody else. Well, they weren't looking very closely at what everybody else was, or they would not have wanted that either. In our passage, there's no request for Samuel to reprimand, reform, or remove his sons from office. Because they weren't really worried about that. They had done the bait and switch with Samuel. They said, I know this is an issue that is close and dear to his heart, will bring up his kids. That'll get him off track. And then we'll switch it to what we really want. When he's not looking, when he's sad, when his heart is down, then we'll switch what we want. It's called a bait and switch. And they're on step two of this now. Here's the actions of an angry attitude. First Samuel 8, verse 19. First Samuel 8, verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. Wait a minute. I thought they were upset because Samuel's kids weren't walking in his ways. Now they're not walking in the commandment of Samuel. <laughs> it wouldn't matter if Samuel didn't have any kids and Samuel could, you know, uh, clone himself and be the judge for everybody. <laughs> Because nobody's going to obey him anyway. <laughs> it wouldn't matter if his kids were walking in his ways. They didn't plan to obey his advice. Bad news. Look down at verse 20. That we also may be like all the nations. Don't they sound like a little brat throwing a temper tantrum? You know, Johnny's got a new toy down the road. I want one too. I deserve it. <laughs> But that's not the way God sets us up. He wants us to be unique. He wants Israel to stand out and be separate from all the other nations. Because in the end, they're going to be above all the other nations. As will you and I. Look at Hosea chapter 13. Hosea 13 verse 10. Hosea 
is God talking. He says, I will be thy king. And now I'll take that one. Where is any other that may save thee in all thy cities? And thy judges, of whom thou saidest, give me a king and, a, uh, and princes. He says, you don't need judges and kings and princes and all this stuff when I'll take care of you. Nobody could do as good a job. Look down at verse 11. I gave thee a king in mine anger and took him away in my wrath. You want to stomp your feet and throw a fit? God says, okay, if, if I have to, I'll give you what you want so you see it's not really what you want and then I'll go right back to what I planned all along. He said, I'll take him away in my anger. Don't make God mad. <laughs> uh, now, they were wanting to be like the other nations, but they didn't realize who the other nations were. Or they wouldn't have been asking for that. Judges chapter 1, verse 7. I'll show you a Gentile king. Judges 1, verse 7. If they wanted to be like the other nations, they would have gotten a king like the other nations, and they did. And they'll be cruel. Judges 1, verse 7. And Adonai Bezak said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table. As I have done, so God hath required me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. This is telling you an incident about a Gentile king. This was one of the other nations they were lusting after. And you know what that guy was doing? When he would capture somebody, he would take the king and cut off his thumbs and his toes. So he couldn't run away, and he couldn't be very useful. You know, you need that opposing finger, that thumb, to hold something. So he wouldn't be very productive. That's cruel. <laughs> and that's the way those Gentile nations were. And Israel here is saying... We want a king like that. No, God doesn't do you like that. Why would you want a ruler that's going to do you like that? They didn't know him very well. Look at Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah 60 verse 2. Here's what God wanted for them. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. So they're supposed to be different. Verse 3. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Not the other way around. <laughs> That's what Israel was doing. Israel said, all the Gentiles must have a great idea. We want a king just like them. God was saying, no. I'm training you and building you up so that they'll envy you and come to you. But they rejected it. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> Verse 4. Lift up thine eyes round about and see. All they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from afar and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Nursed at thy side. God says, I've got a good plan in mind for you. Don't be bucking God's system. Accept it. Regardless of how uncomfortable or what you imagine it's going to be like. You know, our imagination can run away with us. 
And when it does, we start plotting and planning so we can get away from our imagination. All of it was fake to begin with. <laughs> so you imagine something's going to happen bad, so then you cook up another plan how you're going to get around. It's all fantasy. Even the plan you cooked up in your mind to get around it is a fantasy. You covered the verse this morning. Cast down that imagination. <laughs> in Acts chapter 4. Acts 4 verse 26. Here's the primary reason you don't want to be like the other nations. Like what you perceive somebody else having it better than you. You don't want to be like them. God's doing you good just where you are. That's right. Judges 4, uh, not Judges, Acts chapter 4, verse 26. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Ooh. You don't want to be like those rulers. You don't, want to, you don't want a king like those kings. They're against God. Throw them out. Regardless of how uncomfortable you think you are right now, just hold on. It's going to get better for you if you'll follow Christ. But if you envy the other nations and the other rulers, they're against God. Nobody wins who's against God. That's right. Look at it in Matthew. Matthew chapter, not Matthew, Luke. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Luke 22 verse 25. <clears throat> Jesus talking. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles, that's what Israel wanted, exercised lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. <laughs> you know what he said there? He said, These Gentile kings lord it over their subjects. That is, they're proud and they're haughty and they, you know, think they're something, and everybody's going to come serve them, and you know what they're called? Benefactors. That is, the government's going to benefit from your wallet, <laughs> and that's the way they viewed it. Yep. Hmm. He said, do you really want to choose that? That's not very smart. Verse 26, but ye shall not be so. But he that is great among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief... Uh, as he that doth serve. That's what we're supposed to have. And that's what Israel had. But you know what they were craving? Somebody to put them in bondage. Because hmm. that's what the other Gentile kings were doing around them. They were looking at that, and their mind had been so blinded, they thought that was good. And it wasn't good. Okay, so... Some smart ways to be stupid. The first one is identify something to blame and then imagine something in the future to claim. The next and last one is to ignore godly shame. When God corrects us, take the correction. Don't be rebellious and continue on in it. Look at it in our passage. 1 Samuel 8, verse 6. First Samuel 8, verse 6. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king. Mm. 
they should have seen, they knew Samuel as a godly man. And he was. Yes, he was. And when he was displeased by their actions, it should have rang a bell in their head. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe we stepped over the line. Kids learn that or should learn that <laughs> real early on in life. When they're acting up or doing something and the parents get a certain look in their eye, that means I've stepped over the line. Let me pull that foot right back. <laughs> That's what's going on here with Samuel. He was displeased. When that displeasure came over his face, as the spokesperson for God, they should have said, wait a minute. Maybe we said something we shouldn't have. <laughs> but they didn't. They continued on it. Look down at verse 17. Here's what he does about it. Verse 17. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see your wickedness is great. That's 1 Samuel 12, verse... Oh, I didn't tell you the chapter. 1 Samuel 12, verse 17. 1 Samuel 12, 17. I'm moving too fast. <laughs> Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking you a king. Hmm. Now, there's a bunch of things going on here. One of the things he's saying is, I have a direct line to God. Don't forget that. They knew that. That was his position. And you know what they've really done? They've come in and they've said, hey, we got a new plan. We're going to get rid of God. So why don't you go tell God to assign us a new ruler? We're taking God off the throne, but tell him we want him to pick somebody to sit on it. And we want him to train them. And, you know, we want him to be available to us when we need something. We'll call him every now and then. He's going to be one of the advisors. But we're going to replace him. Mm -mm. Doesn't work that way. Back to our passage in 1 Samuel 8, verse 6. The thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to, to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. They wanted a democracy or in the least a republic. <laughs> Judgment that could be accountable to idiots like themselves. They wanted a committee. They wanted to rule by, you know, by mob rule. You know, we've all decided. Well, guess what? If the people can put you on the throne the people can take you off the throne. How about let God be on the throne? Nobody can touch him. That's right. <laughs> they replaced faith in God's judgment. Look at your verse there. He says, they have rejected me that I should not, see that word? Reign over them. He didn't say judge. They asked for a judge. They wanted to be judged. <laughs> That's asking for it. God says, I reign over you. 
there's a difference between judgment. God gave judgment, but he ruled without the counsel of men's policies. God doesn't call the 70 elders of Israel and say, hey, I'm thinking about putting in 10 commandments. What do y'all think about this list? <laughs> no, he rules. You know what they wanted? They wanted somebody who judges. And they get together before the bar, bar council and say, what's precedent for making this rule? You know, what are the legalese that we can use, you know, and how does this work? And, you know, has this ever been done before? No, that's the way man does it. The way God does it is, I know what's best. Here's what you get. <laughs> um, back, and let's see, where did we leave off? Look at First Samuel 10. First Samuel 10, verse 19. 1 Samuel 10, verse 19. I want you to remember something about what they did. These people came in, and you can notice something they didn't say that was speaking very loudly. He reveals it here in our verse, 1 Samuel 10, 19. And ye have this day rejected your God. They didn't claim that. They didn't say that. God did. Hmm. Their actions may have tried to conceal what was going on. Remember, they came in there and feigned super righteous. Oh, we don't want your sons to be judged because they're not very holy. But give us a king. There's no... That was not the issue. The issue is you're rejecting God. And God saw it very clearly. Mm. God gets mad when we reject him. It happens. Finish our verse. Who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. One day, every man is going to be presented before the Lord. And no one's going to have a choice about it. They may have tried to reject him on this side, but there will be no rejecting him when he says, stand before me, give account. Because he really is the ruler, regardless of whether man wants to accept it or not. In Exodus chapter 16, Exodus 16, verse 8. <clears throat> how, does man, how do we, you and me, reject the Lord on a regular basis? Here's one way we do it. Verse, uh, Exodus uh, chapter 16, verse 8. And Moses says, said, This shall be, when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Hmm. They were complaining because they wanted some bird to eat. All the Chick-fil-A's were closed on Sunday, and they were mad. <laughs> and he says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you so much, it'll come out of your ears. 
you'll eat so much that you won't be able to take another breath. And they did. Now, Moses says, you've been murmuring at us, but it was really against God. So when we complain and we wish for this or wish for that, be careful, God might be viewing it as us saying something against him. Think about it. If we're his kids, does he take good care of his kids? Yes, he does. We've got no reason to complain about anything. Although the flesh will give us plenty of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to turn it down and say, no, we're not going to murmur against God. Because sometimes the thing we wanted really wasn't so good for us after all. These people end up dying because they're eating too much. It's coming out their ears. <laughs> Israel really suffered under their new king, Saul. And he did do the things that Samuel warned against. But it was because their eyes were seeing with man's eyes instead of believing that God had their best interest at heart. And God does, does with us, and we can count on it. All right, we've got to stop it there. i got too many more verses, but that's the basic idea of the passage. Read through that yourself and see what cross-references God gives you.